If you're staying in here with me tonight, we're going to look in Galatians chapter 3 tonight. This is going to be part 7 of a series that we're obviously doing titled Complete Triumph in Christ. And tonight's specific portion of this series is titled The Spirit of Faith. The Spirit of Faith. And we're going to look at some scriptures tonight concerning what I, I see in the Bible. Uh, there's phrases that we'll look at tonight that'll help us called the spirit of faith, the hearing of faith, and the word of faith. The spirit of faith, the hearing of faith, and the word of faith. They're all intrinsically tied together and you can't separate them. And you know, you've heard of the word of faith movement and that is the devil knows if he can mess up anything, if he can mess up what the word of faith really is, he can mess us up tremendously. And that's why he's worked so hard through so many false ministers to bring something in that appears to be the word of faith that is not the word of faith. Such as ministers like Ken Copeland and the thousands who follow him who teach all that you can speak your life into where you're going. You're the prophet of your own life that you can declare these things. And really they get all the way out there completely to the point where they actually think they can command God. And that just won't be found in your Bibles. What is found is that He commands us. Amen. So we're going to look at something tonight. And when we, when we start talking about faith, and we've been talking about faith the last few weeks, and, and uh, I have about four sessions on our YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, uh, recently that are about faith. The first one was one faith. The second one was... Uh, one object of faith the third one was one avenue of faith and the fourth one was the sound mind you have and you're operating in when you're functioning in that one faith and in my studies I found and we'll see it today maybe we'll get there but the Bible says there's only one there's only one faith Amen. and the Bible says there's only one spirit there can't be but one spirit because the spirit's God one spirit, one God. So when we talk about, and we'll see it in the Word tonight, when we, when we see it in the Word where the Word talks about the spirit of faith, we're talking about the one spirit who is God and the one faith that's the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll understand this a little bit more as we move through this, but the, the hearing of faith is the hearing of the spirit. Y'all understand that, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, but the Holy Spirit is the one who's speaking the Word of God to you. It's not just me. We, we speak, and there's a Bible verse, and I don't have it in my notes, but there's a Bible verse that says we speak, but the Holy Spirit has to be the one teaching. He has to be the one prodding our hearts and convicting our hearts, and He has to be the one imparting the truth. We can't do that for each other. We can share the Scripture with each other, but we can't impart it into the hearts of each other. The Holy Spirit has to do that. So when the Bible says in Romans 10 and 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, the Holy Spirit has to be involved in that. So it's the hearing of faith 
always or it's not of God. So let's look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, and we want to get through this into about three verses tonight. And verse 1 says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This, now notice what the focus is here, that they've been bewitched to not be found by God obeying the truth anymore. And what allowed them to be found by God obeying the truth was that their faith had been in Christ and Him crucified. That's what makes us obedient initially, and it's the only, it's the only experience that makes us obedient with God at any time. It's when our faith that we've received from him is in what it was in when we began. Amen. So watch verse 2. This only, Paul says, would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Meaning, did you receive the Holy Spirit by what you did? Or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? And he's asking them, he's telling them, you began in the Spirit through the obedience to the truth through your faith in the cross of Christ. Are you now going to try to work this all out by the law, by what you do? Or are you going to continue in the hearing of faith? Because if you don't continue in the hearing of faith, then you can't walk with the Lord. You can't walk with the Lord. And, and that's, that's what the whole letter of Galatians is about, of people who are being bewitched. They're being told that this works and that works. For them specifically, they were being told you have to be circumcised to really be saved. And for us, I, I've never heard anybody tell me that in my whole life because we're not Jewish people, and, but people are still out there doing that foolish stuff, saying that. But for us, it's just other things that people would come along and say that if you'll do this, the Holy Spirit will work in your life. Or if if you'll do this, the Holy Spirit will work in your life. And the Holy Spirit will never work in my life based on what I'm doing. He works in my life based on what I'm believing. And, And there's only one thing that God has given me to believe that allows the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And we see it here. It's Christ and Him crucified. So it, we, we always have to remember how everything began. How did, how, did, how did you begin with the Lord? How did you take your first step in the Spirit? Because he tells us here, having begun in the Spirit, and you did the first time, the first time you accepted the truth of Christ and Him crucified, you became obedient to the truth in God's eyes, and you began in the Spirit right then. Now, I know a lot of the church today is made walking in the Spirit, walking after the Spirit, some, oh, some deep, some deep thing. But I'm telling you, you started your walk in the Spirit when you were born again immediately. Immediately. And you didn't do anything. You believed something. And when you believed that from the heart, you yielded with your heart to the truth of the gospel, you were immediately in the Spirit. 
And we always have to go back to where we began because the Bible gives this profound scripture in Colossians 2 and 6, if we could put that on the, on the screen tonight. It's a very important scripture that you must understand that you, you can't walk with the Lord unless you're walking with the Lord according to how you received the Lord initially. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, how did you receive Him? By believing with the heart that He died for your sins. That's how you received Him. And the Bible here says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so, and that means like so, walk ye in Him. That's what Paul is here saying. You started in the Spirit, by trusting in Christ and what he did at the cross. I mean, Paul preached that those Galatians weren't there when Jesus died. But Paul preached the, the, the gospel to them in such a powerful way under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that, that he says here it's, it's as if you were there seeing Christ crucified. And you were born again. You were saved. You began in the Spirit. You became obedient to the truth. And when we move away from simple faith in the death of Jesus, we really move away from walking with the Lord, literally. Yes. Now, I know most of the church doesn't know this today. And it's a sad thing, but it's true. You have to always go with the Scriptures. You can't go with what men say. You have to go with the Bible. The Bible tells us. It, listen, the, the Bible is our example. You, you can't ever have any kind of experience and exalt that experience above the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God takes precedence over everything. Everything. Amen. It, it is above everything and it must be our final word. It must be the final word. We must stand on the Word of God and when things creep in and try to put a different twist on things, we've got to say, no, 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 no. My faith must stand in the cross of Christ. Amen. Because that's where I began, and my Bible tells me that if I don't keep walking just like I started, then I can't keep walking with my Lord. Amen. You won't find anything that refutes this in the Bible. You'll find many things that confirm this as well in the New Testament. So look at verse uh, 2 again here. And there's a phrase here called the hearing of faith. This only would I learn of you. Now, if Paul would have been from northeast Texas or uh, 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 Louisiana or Arkansas around here, he would have said, now, this is what I want to know, y'all. Did y'all receive the Spirit of God by the works of the law, by what you did? Or did you receive the Spirit of God by the hearing of faith? What did they hear? Faith. You see, the preaching of the cross is the preaching of faith. Yes. The preaching of the cross is the preaching of faith. That's where faith comes from. It comes from Christ who died for us. The life we live now in this flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. Galatians 2.20 We didn't have faith before we were born again. People say, well, we had faith, it just wasn't in the cross. Okay, I'll give you that. I won't disagree, but you didn't have the God faith that you now have. Amen. And that is what you have. When Jesus in Mark eleven twenty two made the statement, a very powerful statement, he said, have the faith of God. Yes. Have the faith of God. 
It says maybe in your translation, have faith in God. But when you study that and pull it from the Greek, you'll say, see that he was saying, have the faith of God. You know why? Because faith has to come from God. We didn't have it. We didn't have faith. The Bible says in Romans 12 and 3 that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And that the faith we live by, I just quoted you Galatians 2.20, the, fa the faith that we live by is the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us by that faith. So we didn't have faith. But we heard the message of faith being the message of the cross, and when our hearts yielded to that, we received that measure of faith. That's powerful. But remember this phrase, the hearing of faith, because that has to be what you're hearing. And it has to be related to the cross of Christ. Amen. You say, well, I've got a whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. You mean, well, it's all in the context of Calvary. It's all in the context of Calvary. How do I know that? How can I prove that? I hope you're taking notes. I hope you'd write this down or just register it in your heart. This is a, a side note uh, to, to confirm what I'm saying about the entirety of God's Word is about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus is the living Word of God, is He not? Right. Yes. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 8, that all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. God's words are located in a place. They're not just floating around everywhere. God says, all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. That's Proverbs 8 and 8. Now, this is kindergarten tonight, okay? This is kindergarten class. So God has all the words He's ever spoken in righteousness. And then Romans 1, 16 and 17, let's put that up there and let our eyebubs behold the beauty of this. If all of God's words, all of the Bible, all of God's words are in righteousness, where is this righteousness revealed so I can see what God's words really all about? Look, Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek, verse 17, for therein, everybody say the cross. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For therein, therein the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. That means every word that God has ever spoken that's in righteousness can only be revealed in the gospel. You see how simple that is? You see how simple that is? That means Genesis to Revelation. Let, let me show you something. I, oh, I, this might take a second, so just bear with me. But I, I, it's in my morning commentaries, and I put it in like I stay two days ahead. Every morning on my Pastor Curtis page, I share right now a scripture in the book of Romans, one verse a morning. And I'm about... I'm, in Romans chapter 16, and, and I wanted to show you, uh, and, and also, let me finish, on my other page, Curtis Hutchinson, I share one verse a day, every morning, 
uh, and we're in the book of uh, Psalms chapter 60. And again, I stay two days out, so I get up in the morning, I share a verse, and then I work another verse ahead, so I'm ahead a couple days. So this one, you're getting two days early, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read something very interesting about God referring to the entirety of the Bible being about Jesus. Your Bible is your Jesus book. I want you to know that tonight. Your Bible is your Jesus book. It's all about Jesus. He's the living Word. Every jot and every tittle, this book is how God would go and get His Son a bride. That's what this book is about. God was after His Son having a bride. And to do that, He'd have to come and redeem man to get His Son a bride. So I want to read this to you. And what I'm going to read to you is the first ten men in, in in the lineage through which Christ would one day come in this is the first ten names in the Bible that the lineage of Christ would come through. And I want to read the names and what they mean. So watch this. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enosh means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahalalel means the blessed God. Jared means to come down. Enoch means teacher. Methuselah means his death. Lamech means despairing, and Noah means rest. So man was appointed, became mortal and sorrowful, but the blessed God came down, taught. His death brings a despairing, but a rest. Now I want to read to you, and I know this is kind of tedious for a minute, but I'm trying to make a point tonight that the whole Bible is about Jesus. And the 12 patriarchs of Jacob, his sons, their names all their names are symbolic of all that Jesus would be. All that he would be. If you've never seen this, this is so beautiful. <coughs> Reuben means behold a son is born unto us. That's what that name means. And Simeon means one who hears. Levi means attached. Judah means praise the Lord. Dan means he judged. Naphtali means my struggle. Gad means good fortune. Asher means happiness. Issachar means reward. Zebulun means honor. Joseph means add to my family. And Benjamin means son of my righteousness. These, these names point to Jesus, paint a picture of Jesus. I believe with all of my heart that when we get to heaven and one day we're on the new earth and I believe because God named every star, the Bible says, and you know there's no end to the star. He named every star. And I can just about promise you tonight that every star's name is talking about Jesus in some way. Because all things are of Him, from Him, for Him, through Him, to Him. All things consist together by Him. He is the brightness of God's glory. He's the one who at this very moment upholds all things by the word of His power. All things are about Jesus. Hallelujah. So the whole Bible is about Jesus. So the hearing of faith 
is the hearing of the Spirit. Because you can't have the hearing of faith unless you're hearing the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, as we've been talking about here lately, over the past several weeks, we've been seeing in the Word, and the Lord puts these Scriptures before us so that He can direct us and strengthen us and give us great joy and give us a greater enhancement of the Lamb because that's what we have to be looking at. Scriptures such as 2 Corinthians 4.11 that tell us the Holy Spirit always delivers us who are alive, talking about saved, to death. For Jesus' sake. If we're not delivered every moment to death, then what Jesus did at Calvary can't, can't, can't have any part to play in our lives. Think about that. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Because everything He's doing today is because what He did that day. Amen. Everything He's doing in you and through you now is because of what He did then. And while you accept what He's delivering you to always and you continue just to reckon yourself to be dead indeed to the sin nature so that you can by faith stand on that resurrection ground in Christ Jesus, you're not going to be caught off and carried off into all these things that are going on today. These things that look right, but they're not right. They sound right, but they're not right because they're not scriptural. So the hearing of faith is the hearing of the spirit of faith. And that brings us to our, our next scripture, which is, let's just stay right there. If you could put that back up on the screen, 2 Corinthians 4.11, and let's read our way down to uh, a couple more verses. 2 Corinthians 4.11, let's read the beauty of this again. Everybody say beauty. beauty. Let's read the beauty of this again. This is beautiful when you see it that if you will look at every moment what the Holy Spirit is delivering you to every moment, then you will be able to watch what, watch what the result will be if you accept this. If you accept this. And accepting this is not just a nonchalant, well, of course I believe Jesus died for me. No, this is a life being lived as a crucified, resurrected child of God. You, you can't claim resurrection power unless you're reckoning yourself to be dead to who you used to be. Yeah. You do know that who you used to be can't go to heaven and can't please God. Right. No part of that old person can please God. You know, you do. let me talk about this for a minute because sometimes we hear the phrase born again and we don't quite understand really the depth of what that means. When you were born again, that means you had to die. You can only be born again out of death. So Jesus, the Bible says, is the firstborn from the dead, but you as a born again Christian have also been born again out of death. You had to die to be born again. And you say, well, when did I die? You died with Jesus 2,000 years ago because your faith is in Him there. You were crucified with Him. You were buried with Him. You were raised to newness of life in Him. Hallelujah. And now you can walk with Him in resurrection life and power if you keep your faith 
in his death. Because that's what the Holy Spirit's delivering us to always. And we say, well, I need more than the cross. I need to learn about this. and that." You can't learn about any of that other stuff unless you're accepting your place of union in death with your Savior. That's where you learn. Jesus said it, didn't he? You can't be my disciple unless you bear your cross. Disciple means learner. Unless I'm, unless I'm accepting where the Holy Spirit is delivering me to always to, to face the reality of I died with Jesus. This life is not about who I used to be because he can't please God. Amen. Amen. You know, you can't, you can't imitate Jesus. That's right. You can't. Every time we try, we mess it up, don't we? Yeah. He's perfect, isn't he? There's nothing good in our flesh, the Bible says. And Jesus said that the flesh profits how much? Nothing. Nothing. So these scriptures you're seeing right here tonight are of utmost importance because my flesh can't please God. I was reading a story by F.J. Hugel. He said there's a man that took that trying to imitate Christ he took that, man, he just took that and ran with it to the point he went out and even had himself hung on a fence post. He, he was trying to imitate Christ. You can't imitate Christ. You're called to partake of Christ. Yeah. And the only way, and Paul said it in Galatians 3, the only way we can partake of Christ is not by singing a song. Not by doing something, not by going to church. No. The only way we can partake of Christ is by accepting where the Holy Spirit's delivering me to, which is to the place of Jesus' death and my union with Him there. Watch the beauty of what happens if we will. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, so that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death works in us, but life in you. If God's going to use you among anybody anywhere, you've got to have his death working in you. His death. So there's a scripture, where is it at? Philippians, it says, for it's God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But what's he, what does he have to be able to be working in you that pleases him? He's only pleased with one thing. Right. He's only pleased with his son and what his son did at Calvary. Outside of that, God has no pleasure. Amen. None. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without the faith of the Son of God. So God, we got all these wild imaginations because we don't understand the scriptures and God won't honor our wild imaginations. We have to learn scripture that what God is working in us is his death, the death of his son. That which he's pleased in so that we can work out our own what? Where were we saved at? At the cross. So he works death in us and if I'll agree to this truth that the Holy Spirit is delivering me to the death of Jesus, we're talking about the way God sees things. You understand? 
You don't need to buy a plane ticket and fly back to Jerusalem and look for a cross stuck up on a hill somewhere. This is all by faith in your heart. This is all by faith in our hearts. But it's the Scripture. And we're always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake because it's the only place our faith works. And it's, and it's really what God is working in us. Both to will so our will can be that of the Lord. And so He's working in us both to will and to do because we can't do nothing without Jesus. So what He's working in us is the death of Jesus because that's all He's pleased in. And that right there, if, our, if, our, if, we, if we exercise our faith in that, then what will be the result of that, look, verse 13, or actually the end of verse 11, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Let me say something, folks. You can't represent Jesus in your body. It's got to be Jesus manifesting Himself. Look at what it says. That the life also of Jesus. It don't say the life of Curtis. It says that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in this mortal fleshly thing. It's got to be Christ. Amen. And the only way it is Christ is if our faith is in His death. That's the only way it can be Christ. So everybody who don't want to hear about the cross, they don't want to be delivered under the cross. They don't want. We, we're, we're a million miles beyond the cross, brother. I know. I know those words. I said them at one time. And God took my house, my land, my vehicles, and everything. Get my attention. Brought me back to the place where I could see that the death of Jesus is God's focus. Yes, amen. It's God's focus. There's scriptures in the book of Chronicles that tell us God's mind is ever on the covenant. And there's another scripture, I read it at prayer Monday night, that God commands his covenant to a thousand generations and it says something in that Bible verse about our minds are to be ever on his covenant because his mind is ever on his covenant. There's never a moment of the day when we shouldn't be thanking the Lord for getting rid of who we used to be and making us a new creature in Christ Jesus. Because that old man, he can't even do a good thing. He can't do a good deed. And everything, everything that old person resurrects and tries to do, even if the whole community says, wow, that's a good thing, God said, no, it's evil, it's wicked. I don't care what it is. If it's not Christ doing it by the Spirit of God through you, it ain't good in God's eyes. It takes Jesus to be good in God's eyes. Amen. So it's important that we understand that we got to be looking at the cross. We got to be, I'm not talking about picturing a bloody, gory man hanging on a tree. I'm talking about what he did there for us. How he humbled himself and became perfectly obedient and, and died in that condition, trusting in his heavenly Father's righteous judgment. That, I mean, that's what we're trusting in. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're being made conformable to. 
We're not being made conformable to a preacher or a denomination or somebody. I, I hope you don't think of other people when it's time for you to go to pray. I hope, I'll hope you just think of the Lord and how He saved you and given you an open door to Him. You have to be careful thinking about other people. I hope I'm praying like them. Who cares if you're praying like them? God saved you without them and He wants you to talk to Him without them. Amen. So watch this now. In verse 13, we, he's not changing the subject here. This is all about us being delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. This is a move of faith taking place right here. This is what faith is all about. Watch, he tells us in verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith, Everybody say the spirit of faith. Now let me put this on the table for, before you tonight. In our church here at Crossway Church, for a good while now we've learned, we've been learning that grace is not just a word that floats around. Grace is the spirit of God. You were saved by grace. Who saved you? God. You didn't save yourself, did you? You saved by grace, but who saved you? God sent His Son that tasted death by the grace of God so you could be saved. Amen. Amen. There's scriptures that show us grace is not just some word. Grace is what God does. Titus chapter 2 tells us that we're taught by grace. Yeah. Holy Spirit has to be the teacher. We can't teach each other. We can share the word with each other, but the Holy Spirit is the teacher, the spirit of grace. We're taught by grace. Grace is what God's doing in your life. Grace is what God's doing in your life if he finds faith in the death of his son. You can't change that. Grace is what God is doing in your life if he finds faith in the death of his son. Paul even said, I labor by the grace of God. Paul said this. He said, I labor more than all the others, but it's by the grace that's with me. And he's talking about the spirit of grace. So I've taught that over the past two or three years or however long it's been, that grace is God at work, and that is what grace is. <coughs> the spirit of grace. He's called that even in Hebrews 10 and 29, the spirit of grace. And tonight I want to put on the table before you that the spirit of faith is another name for the Holy Spirit. The spirit of faith. The spirit. There's one spirit. Let's look at, uh, where is this? Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, Ephesians 4 and 4. Let's look at this. This is a Bible study tonight, all right? Y'all love the Word? Y'all know the Word is God? Amen. In the, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. That's John 1, 1 and 2. Watch this now. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, there is one body and one spirit. There's only one spirit. I said it earlier because there's only one God. So there can't be more than one spirit of God. There's one spirit. Let's keep reading. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling... One Lord, here it comes, one faith. One baptism. The spirit of faith. Now, 
I won't show. I wanted to show you that because there's only one spirit and one one faith. You can't. You 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 got to think about that. There's only one spirit, and there's only one faith. There's not two spirits. There's not two faiths. There's one spirit and one faith. And what we just read, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and let's read this verse 13 again because he describes, and I believe this scripture is pulled out of Psalms. I forget the exact place. Psalm 16, 116, somewhere. Somebody probably got a note in your Bible. You can help us out. But this scripture is pulled out of Psalms, I believe. But watch here when he defines this spirit of faith. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. Let's read that again because here is the spirit of faith. Here is the spirit of faith. Here is the spirit of faith. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Where else do we see this in the Bible? Romans chapter 10, verse 10. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The spirit of faith is a heart, is, takes place within a heart, believing the right object, and when it is, the mouth can't stay closed. That's why when people first get born again, we, we call, man, they're on fire for God. Well, you know what? You ought to be more on fire for God now after 40 years of being saved than you ever were at first. It's totally the opposite in the church. The church has been saved 10 years begging and squabbling, begging God for revival. Listen, the only place you can be revived is where you first came to life. And if you don't go back to that place, you can't be revived. So they'll bring in some professional musicians that sound real good and they'll get together and do a little shaking and vibrating all over, singing some good music. And they'll go home and say, I'm revived. Now, if the cross wasn't nowhere inside, there was no possibility of being revived. If the cross is not involved, there's no possibility of even faith working. If the cross is not involved, the spirit of faith is not there. If the cross is not involved, is not the focus, then there is no spirit of faith Involved because the spirit of faith and the word of faith do not exist just because I quote some scripture. Well, I believe that verse, so I'm declaring that verse. That's not the context of this. The context of this is that you're being delivered always to that which you need to surrender to and talk about. My goodness. If you're always being delivered to the only place God sees your faith will work, if you're accepting that truth, your lips are going to move and talk about that. Amen, Brother Curtis. Preach on, Brother Curtis. It's Scripture. It's Scripture. With the heart man believes, 
unto righteousness, then the mouth confesses unto salvation. This is why you're not going to hear most things correct in most pulpits today because their heart is not being delivered to what it was delivered to when they were born again. So they're just using God's Word outside of the one avenue it's written that is righteousness. Amen. If the heart's not still yielded to the way of righteousness, which is Christ and Him crucified, that's why we're going to start talking about everything but the one thing we need to be talking about. Amen. Amen. The spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. We having the same spirit of faith according to the Scriptures, as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Hmm. Now let's look at one more before I got ten minutes. Let's look at one more. We've talked about the spirit of faith and the hearing of faith. Now let's look tonight. You can go home and look at these in more depth. But Romans chapter 10 verses 8 through 10, we're going to see this phrase here, the word of faith. And every one of these, what you've seen in the scriptures, is that they're tied to the cross. Every one of them is tied to Calvary because if it's not, your faith won't work. Remember, when you receive that measure of faith that God dealt to you upon being born again, it came with the word you heard. Amen. The hearing of faith. You didn't have it, you heard it. When you yielded to it, faith came. Amen. You were dealt by God the measure of faith. It, and, when, and God told me this, I told you this three or four times already on the way to Palestine a couple weekends ago, the Lord spoke to my heart and He told me when I gave you the measure of faith, it came with its object, its only object. It won't work outside of the cross of Christ. You can't just put faith in anything. Well, I, I'm going to put my faith in God heals. There ain't no place to put your faith in healing. Your only place God's given you to put your faith is in Christ. He's the healer. Keep your faith in the Holy Spirit's not delivering you unto healing always. He's delivering you unto death always. You want to move a God? You gotta you gotta surrender and stay yielded to. You know when you got born again, that's what he was delivering you to then. Yes. You do know that. When you got saved, it's because the Holy Spirit was trying to get you to believe the, the gospel, the message of the cross of Christ, and he was showing you that, that it's the only place that he could bring you and deliver you and save you is at the cross. And when you yielded your heart to that truth, you received that measure of faith, and it won't work if you put it in something else. It only works in the object in which you received it. To confirm that, go back again and read Galatians 1, 3, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. If your faith is in anything other than the death of Jesus, it won't work and you will get yourself in a mess and end up mad at God, blaming God for the mess you're in, and it won't have been God. It can't be God. I get myself in a mess. It ain't God getting me in a mess. It's me getting me in a mess. 
because I won't exercise my faith in the one place that it has to be exercised. And for me to exercise it there, I must deny myself. Means Means I'm not here to get my own way. I'm looking for the will of God. But it doesn't come forth except through the death of Jesus. Because the will of God in all things is that Christ be manifest in this place. Amen. Romans 10, verse 8. But what saith it? The word is near you. It's even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Notice I'm with Paul. I'm not with the other nuts today. Amen. The word of faith that we preach, Paul said. You know what the word of faith is? It's the preaching of the cross. It's the, it's the word of the cross because that's the, the message that you yielded to that brought faith to you. We preach the word of faith. We preach the word of the cross that brings the faith of Christ. Amen. It's His faith. When you're here, this is why the preaching of the cross is the power of God. Because when the preaching of the cross takes place, the focus of Calvary, then God is offering you the faith of His Son that is a perfect faith that overcomes anything and everything, anywhere, at any time. It overcomes all things. All, you, you don't have to be bound by oppression, depression. You don't have to be bound by a bottle. You don't have to be bound by anything. A foul mouth. You don't have to be bound by jealousy and envy and strife. You don't have to be bound at all. You can live free. I ain't talking about perfection. But the Bible says if you'll walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5. How do you walk in the Spirit? We covered that a while ago, didn't we? How do we begin in the Spirit? Faith in the sacrifice. That's walking in the Spirit. We get ourselves in trouble when we're not walking in the Spirit. Can I get a witness? And we're not walking in the Spirit because I'm not yielded to the truth Oh, I believe Jesus died for me, but sometimes I'm not willing to reckon myself to be dead with Him. Everybody in here knows what I'm talking about. You're going to get mad and go back there and shut the door and pout for a couple hours. Oh, you're showing them now, ain't you, honey? Oh, it gets quieter every time I say that. (laughs) Oh, you're going to show them now. We'll get in the car and drive around four hours and make them wonder where I'm at. Boy, you showing them now, ain't you? <laughs> that ain't Jesus. Amen. Ain't nothing going to get fixed like that because that's not a yielded heart to the death of Jesus where you would just go back in the house and say, I'm dumb. <laughs> Forgive me, I'm sorry. Lord, help me and help us. Yes. Help us to behold the Lamb more clearly. Because mm, that's the only avenue that Curtis can be tucked away and Jesus can come on scene. It's the only way. The life of Christ only comes out of death. Verse 9 says that if you shall confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart, here it is, we quoted it already, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
I hope you go home and look at these things a little more deeper about the word of faith, the hearing of faith, and the spirit of faith. They're tied together and they're all tied to the cross. They're all tied to the cross of your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where they, that's where you see what they mean. That's where you learn to experience the true hearing of faith, the true word of faith, the true spirit of faith. This is where you learn to walk and learn to express your Savior more than ever before. Amen. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? Jesus expressed more than ever before. And this is why we must preach. The power of God. We don't entertain and call something that power that's not power. The power, our Bible says, is the preaching of the cross. Because if you have a heart that yields to what Jesus did at Calvary, the power of God's working in your life. It ain't no maybe. Well, I hope it is. You won't even have to say that. When you're yielded to the cross of Christ, you ain't got the wonder. It is evident. That Jesus is working in you. He, God's working in you this death now. And your will and your to-do is being changed. And a desire is happening in you. In a greater and greater way than ever before. Mm-hmm. It's all about Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Amen. Amen. So the spirit of faith. Look into this more. If you're a student of the Bible, I'm sure you all are. The spirit of faith. I'm going to say this and I'm going to close. Faith has been called a lot of things, but faith, if it's Bible faith, it's a move of God. Yes. Faith is not so much us move, moving, it's God moving in us and through us. Faith is required for that to happen. Faith is a move of God. The spirit of faith, that's God, the spirit. Spirit. The God of faith. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's His faith. Amen? Would you stand with me tonight? I better quit. So, look at these things.